In today's show, it's time to look at the Chicago Bulls from a fantasy perspective. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. And we are available on all platforms. All right. We are here to talk about the Chicago Bulls. Before we do that, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> Locked on Fantasy Basketball Bowl. We're filling up. I have sent emails out for the Hawks and the Celtics at the time of me recording this. The Nets ones should be going out soon. The Hornets ones are still available. The Bulls ones are today. So if you want in, this 360 team, actually 720 team competition, there's a category side of it and a point side of it. It's a $25 entry. It's on fan tracks. There's slow drafts. You email lofbbowl, lofbbowl at gmail.com. In the subject line, write bulls, cats, if you want in the category league, or bulls, points, if you want in the points league. And then the subject, and on the subject, in the body of the email, you write an answer to a question which will come later on in the show. Stay tuned for that other part you need to add in there. You can flower it up with whatever else you want to put in there to make your entry stand out. It's been over a thousand people who enter so far. And if you did enter for like the Hawks or the Celtics and you didn't get in, you need to enter for each one of these. I, I just this I can't just keep going back through it's no, it's not first in um, best dressed. It's, um, I'll, I'll sit through them and look at them, give it 24, 36 hours or so to marinate and get them in. I want to get, obviously I've got 720 spots. We're going to get them all filled, but I can't get everyone in. So apologies if you don't get picked, but yeah, if this works next year, we might go bigger. We'll see. We'll get the question out later on as to what you need to actually answer to get into the Bulls division. We'll get to that in a sec. Let's look at how the Bulls look. From a schedule perspective, and to be honest, it's bad. It's really bad. Their schedule's horrific for fantasy. 45 quality games. It's a very low number. Meaning more of their games are on high volume days than most other teams. They have a league high 15 back-to-backs. That's really bad news for Lonzo Ball. Might be bad news for Zach Levine at one point as well. If your playoffs end on March 19th, my recommended end date, they play nine games in that playoffs. A 4-2-3 schedule, a two-game week. Yuck. If your league ends on March the 26th, they also have nine games. 2-3-4. If you go Yahoo default, it's a bit better. 11 games. 3-4-4. And I believe they actually end the season. If for some reason you're insane and you play to the final day of the season, they actually go 4-4-4 across those... Uh, Across the, Moses Malone, they go 4-4-4 across those final three um, uh, weeks of the season. But that's not what we're talking about here. 
So bad for the 19th, bad for the 26th, good for April 2nd. Bad quality games, bad number of back-to-backs. Pretty rough schedule. Will it stop me from drafting Bulls players? Of course it won't. It won't because I just don't focus that heavily on stuff that's going to happen in six, seven months' time. If you're playing like a um, situation where you're in a best ball tournament and you can't make moves to get out of this, then yeah, you do have to weigh some of that up. When you get know when your league finishes, you're an underdog or something like that. Know when it finishes and maybe you downplay the value of those Bulls guys because they might have two games in one of those weeks in a playoff setting there. Playoff tournament, whatever it is, how that works. That is that is useful to know. So what impacts the projections for the Bulls? Lonzo, really. Um, he was, that, that's for their season as well. Because when he was playing, they were quite good. And then he went down, never came back, and they were bad. Is he the answer to everything? Of course, of course he's not. But he enables these bad defenders like DeRozan and Levine and Vooch to get away with being offensive-only players because he goes out there, connects everything, and then him and Caruso just wreak havoc on the other end. And without him, they're in trouble. So his return not only impacts the on-court performance in terms of wins and losses, but it impacts fantasy, A, for him. Because like this is a bloke who was like top 40 last season. There's no chance that happens this year, but he was top 40 per game. But his absence means there's more minutes for Caruso, for Dragic, for White, for Desunmu. There are more assist opportunities for DeRozan, for Levine, for Vooch. And we just don't know with Lonzo. At this point, he's not playing opening night. There's almost no way. He's doubtful for the opening of the season. That's that's bullshit. He's not playing. Um, I don't expect him back until mid-November at the very earliest. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a January 1st target which is 12 months, basically, almost 12 months since his injury, where he had surgery and then didn't work. Is his bone bruise and meniscus injury, and they just can't seem to figure out what it is. I am not drafting Lonzo Ball anywhere in the top 100, probably not in the top 110. I might take a flyer in round 10 of a standard league, but probably not. There's just a lot of uncertainty, so much uncertainty about if he's going to play now. If he is healthy and he is ready to go on the 1st of November, I don't think he's ever playing 35 minutes a night again this season. It'll be a very slow situation of getting him back. He'll sit back-to-backs. I think he tops out at 50 games this year. So I just don't want to deal with it in the top 100. Let someone else do it. DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic. Their shooting is important. It's Vucevic. For different reasons. DeRozan, unbelievable from mid-range last season. Career year. I don't expect him to be that good this year. And in fact, over the end, towards the end of the season, that did drop off. While Vooch shot poorly. And I think he can improve. He might not, though. We've got this impression of Vooch as being this, you know, he's a big man. He's this knockdown shooter. He had one or two good three-point shooting years. But not everyone was like that. But he just really struggled around the rim as well. And... Sometimes when you get old and Vooch is 30 plus, maybe that stuff doesn't come back. So his shooting, Vucevic, whether it improves or stays the same, impacts how we project guys. And DeRozan, if his shooting falls off, that impacts what he does because he's not a steals guy. He's not hitting threes. 
If he starts not hitting shots at 51% or whatever he was and hitting them at 48, well, you wipe 20 spots off his value. So they're big factors. We also have to factor in Patrick Williams, who played what, 10 games last season, five at the start and then a few at the end and played in the playoffs. But he wasn't there all year. He was starting Javante Green and DeMar DeRozan at power forward. Although they'll allegedly tell you it was Alex Crusoe as the power forward. It was DeRozan. Um, but now we've got Patrick Williams to mix into this. So it takes minutes away from other guys. Williams has got to somehow get some shots. Maybe he had a couple of 20-point games in the playoffs. How does his presence and development in year three impact Levine, DeRozan, point guard, whoever, Vooch? How does that... When you know, Javante Green was in that spot most of last season. How does Williams' presence impact what we saw from everyone around them last season? Because they were unencumbered. Not that he's a big encumbering guy or a guy that's taking a ton of shots, but he's there and he's probably going to do more than what Javante Green did last season. But if you want to do more, bet online is your number one spot for all your pro and college football action this season. Football is in full swing. Week two of the NFL started yesterday and all of the week two lines and all of the week three college football lines are up over at Bet Online, We can go and have a look now. The old Washington Commanders are underdogs against the Detroit Lions. One point favorites the Lions are. Got a total of 48.5 over there. I like the Lions. Let's go. Always been a bit of a sympathizer for the Lions. Back from their Barry Sanders days. One of my favorite teams in the NFL. And I'd like them to be good for once. Maybe. Hopefully. Please. Please be good. If I want to have a bet on that though and check out all the info, Bet online has got it. Live betting, esports and scores, plus all the information you need on other sports like Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online is where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen. Now go check out the NBA Top 50 on Locked On NBA. That's your second listen. Which NBA player moves the betting line? The most this season, Locked On and Bet Online odds makers present the NBA top 50 most valuable players. Find it on Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. And I'm sure people will argue about that, rightfully so. Let's look at breakout candidates. I'm putting Patrick Williams there. As I defined on the Charlotte Hornets show, I think we're going to look at breakout guys as this guys that we might talk about a little bit more. I don't think Patrick Williams, who, oh, he's a guy that, that couldn't shoot in college. And he's a defensive guy with good size, so he's Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, those comparisons are bullshit. Now, that is don't come to fruition so many times. Shout out Isaac Okoro or Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. Sometimes they do. Shout out Kawhi Leonard. Maybe it comes to fruition with Scotty Barnes. I don't know. But Williams is an interesting spot. Struggled as a rookie. Um, you know, didn't really play as a second-year guy. Now it's year three. He's going to start. He should play good minutes. How he gets touches, I don't know. Um, but maybe he just becomes good and demands them. At least we're going to be talking about him more, whether it's like, oh, they wasted pick four on him, or, oh, okay, now we've got some defensive semblance on the wings and at forward, and we've got a threat out there. He's a really intriguing player that's, especially with Lonzo out, he's pretty key, because if he can defend for them, then that's that's big. I've got Dasunmu on this list as well. I do not think that Dasunmu has all-star upside. I do not think that Dasunmu is even a guy that I would consider long-term as a top-level NBA starter. I think he might be a back-end NBA starter, but I you know, I think mainly in his career, he maybe gets to like Tyus Jones level backup. 
That's no insult. It's hard to be good. It's hard to be very good. He was impressive last season, but a lot of the damage that he did came when he was playing 39 minutes a night when Caruso and Levine and Ball and Williams were all out. But there is another opportunity now. Lonzo's out to start the season. Has Dasunmu taken the big steps forward? Can he push himself ahead of Caruso, Dragic, White, and become locked in as a starter? I think there's a possibility, you know, more so than Caruso, more so than White, more so than Dragic, that he can announce himself and go, well, I am, I'm established as the starter until Lonzo returns. I don't think he's going to be good at it, and I don't think that's his role long-term, but he's at least in that mix more than other guys, I think, for this upcoming season anyway. Um, you know, they're both guys also you can consider with later round picks in fantasy. Just last round pick, let's see what happens. And that takes me on to sleepers. Because Pat Williams is a really interesting player. Again, is the upside that high? I don't think so. I don't think it's super high. But I really do like him last round. He can get some steals. He might block a shot. He might grab six, seven rebounds. He might not. He might grab five rebounds. He might score 14 points and hit one and a half threes. And there's scope for him to become a 13 and seven, two assists, two threes, 1.4 steals, one block. 48, 77 percentage guy, which is solid enough. There's scope for that. I like him as a late round pick. ESPN's got him ranked at 252. That doesn't make any sense at all. Like none whatsoever. Yahoo's ADP is at 143. It's about bang on. Fantrax ADP 140. Again, it's about bang on. That's about where you, you pick him. End of the 12th round, start of the 13th round. Last round sort of guy. Fills a position of need as well. Getting small forward, power forward eligible players. Actually, he's only power forward eligible on Yahoo. He might be small forward on other sites. But getting a guy like that in there is really, really valuable at that point in the draft. So he he's a nice sleeper guy. I don't think there's many other players who are really considered sleepers, who we can grab late. And even like Williams, his ADP sort of matches up where he wants to be drafted. Just that he's ranked insanely low on ESPN. And in contrast to the Hornet show I did earlier today, an unpopular small market team versus a big market, super popular team like the Bulls, all the Bulls guys get drafted up. They get pushed up. The Hornets guys don't. They fall. And that's just something that's always useful, I think, to be aware of when doing fantasy is the way that markets can um, adjust players' values on the uh, on the overall. And you've got to weigh that up against who's in your league, who are you drafting against? You're drafting against smart, fantasy-focused people, more casual fantasy people but know the NBA, more casual NBA people that know the Bulls and the Lakers and the Celtics and that's it. Because that changes the evaluation of people. Like People go, oh, yeah, well, Zach Levine, he's way better than Terry Rogier. When in essence, for fantasy, they're probably the same. Except one plays for Chicago and he won a dunk contest. And the other plays for Charlotte and no one cares. It, it makes a difference. On the flip side again, there's probably some guys who are getting drafted a little bit too high because they play for Chicago. It's not just all because they play for Chicago, but there's a factor there. DeMar Rosen, I think, is going too high. His Yahoo ADP is 27. His rank is 21, which is way too high. On ESPN, his ADP is 22. But in saying all of that for DeRozan, 
he was the 19th ranked player on a per game basis last season. Here's why I don't think that's possible. Well, no, not again, not possible. Here's why I don't think it's likely that he gets back there. He played 36 minutes a night. He's 33 now. It's a lot of minutes. All right, does he go with Patrick Williams returning? With the addition of, say, Goran Dragic, some extra insurance? Does the 36 become 35 or 34 minutes? I think that's possible. Is it realistic to expect DeMar DeRozan, who had a career year at age 32, to replicate that? I think the likelihood of that would suggest, tell you no. It's not likely that that happens. And we see a drop-off. And we also saw with DeRozan towards this, the end of last season, the numbers did start to fall away. He had a really strong stretch in the middle of the season where his numbers were getting compared to things that Wilt Chamberlain had done. Like insane 40-point scoring or 30-point scoring in like 15 straight games with 50% shooting or something like that. And his value, it doesn't come from threes. He gets no steals or blocks. He's a solid assist player, but that dropped down last season a little bit as well. It's scoring at efficiency. And if 27 points goes to 25 points, if 51% shooting goes to 48%, and 24 or 20, 24, 25 points on 48 is really good. But it's not top 20 good where you know, he was 27 on 51. And that pushes him to the third round or the early fourth round. Early fourth rounds pick 37, 38. It's very different to picking him at 21 or 22. His fan tracks ADP, DeRozan sits at 32, which is on the edge a little bit too high. And he's very build dependent as well. Do I want steals? Because I can't get him here. Am I dying for, am I dying for points? Because that's where it helps. He gets value because threes can be acquired later. So that's helpful for him in terms of you don't care that he doesn't hit them, but maybe you actually do need them. I just think you're going late second round, very early third is too high. I'd rather go late third, mid third at the earliest versus you're going that that little bit higher. Lonzo Ball's ADP 66 on ESPN. He's ranked 45 on ESPN. Like, I think even if Lonzo was ready to start the season, and he was 36th per game last season, Lonzo Ball, so he's really good. I just don't think he's playing 35 minutes a night. Even if he was healthy, ready to go, opening night, he's not playing 35 minutes a night this season. So taking him at 66, you might as well just piss on your draft. Like, there's no point to it. I think per game, he's probably more around 70 this year, 75, and that's not even including for how much time he's likely to miss. Yahoo's got his ADP at 85. Fantrax got him at 77. I probably should have included both of those. I think they're both too high. I wouldn't pick him until after 100. And if my league goes 14 or 16 team leagues, then that 100 pushes to 130. Because I don't want to take him as one of my best eight players, given how unreliable his knee is. It is just not healing. And that is a real concern. Kobe White, for some reason, is ranked 153rd on ESPN. And I know I put those two phrases together a lot, ESPN and for some reason, but it deserves it. Why is he at 153? He was 182nd last season white in a season that Levine missed time, Ball missed time, Caruso missed time, Dragic wasn't on the team, Williams missed time. And he was still 182nd in category leagues. In points leagues, he was 180th in 27 minutes. If Lonzo is healthy, he's not. If Lonzo is healthy, Lonzo, Levine, Caruso, Dasunmu, Dragic. Where does White even play? Not that Dragic is good. 
He's passed it, but they signed him for a particular reason. White can still be a useful player, but the problem to me with White is he's a shooting guard in a point guard's body. He needs to be an off-ball scorer, but he's too small. He can't guard anyone. He's not a good passer. I think he's a prime candidate to be traded, and he's someone that I would absolutely... Look, if he was pushed into, say, Colin Sexton's new role in Utah, he could be really useful for fantasy. But I, I on a healthy team, I, I don't know how much he plays in Chicago. They're not healthy. But on a healthy team, I, I don't know how much he plays. And he's not not remotely a 12-team league guy. Like, not even close to it. Upside flyers. Talked about Williams already at length. Talked about Dasunmu. These are guys we can look at last round. Then Caruso. Now... While Lonzo's out, Caruso probably is the favorite to start. His value comes very highly concentrated into steals with a smattering of assists, and he hits some threes at a decent rate. But he's a low scorer, not a great rebounder, doesn't get to the line. He's a bad free throw shooter in general. His value comes from steals, and that can overestimate someone's fantasy rank. But as a last-round pick, you grab him, you might play him two weeks, you might play him three months while Lonzo's out. He's a really good last-round pick because of that absence of Lonzo Ball, and I should actually play the sound because I just need to take a break, break from talking as well. Where's my sound? Be very quiet. I'm hunting rabbits. Yeah, the rabbit hunter, Alex Caruso. So let's look at the roster. Um, Lonzo, we've spoken about at length. We haven't really spoken about Zach Levine, who did have knee surgery. and signed that max contract in the offseason. He's back. He's solid. DeRozan had a big impact on his production. I thought that Levine might maintain number one offensive option. He didn't. He was number two behind DeRozan. Um, I don't, I've got no reason to suggest why that would change unless DeRozan drops way off. Levine is only 27, and honestly, I, I think the ball should be in his hands more. He was 37th per game last year. He's getting drafted 42 Yahoo, 38 Fantrax, 39 ESPN, late third, early fourth. It's perfect. Knees are a problem. Yeah, that thing, which is one of those things like, uh, there's nothing actually wrong. There's nothing actually wrong. There's nothing actually wrong. We'll cut him open anyway. Ah, oh, but there's nothing wrong. It just starts, you know, just maintenance. Yeah, that, that gives you some worry. I think he's fine to start the season, but torn ACL in the past, another knee surgery this year. You know a bloke that had that sort of thing happen a lot? Russell Westbrook. Where he was, he had a knee injury and then just little things would always come, oh, he's a random knee surgery. What's it for? Nah, it's just it's knee surgery, man. Don't worry about it. Just little things cropping up. And it's also why I'm worried about Ja Morant. That's for a separate show. Just little things cropping up on his knee. So that is a bit of a worry. But he's strong and he's value, oh, he's strong. He's strong value in round three, round four. Pat Williams, we talked about a last round guy, DeRozan. Probably a third or fourth round player to me as well, who's going higher than that. And then we go to Vooch, who was 40th last season. He's getting drafted 37 fan tracks, or 37 Yahoo, 46 fan tracks, might be low. 32 ESPN. Again, third or fourth round guy. It, it can be hard to find useful centers. Maybe that bumps him up and you do pick him at 30. He did shoot really poorly last season. There's no guarantee that 100% bounces back. I think there will be some bounce back. But as I said, as a guy that's 32... Maybe that ability to finish at the rim is just gone. Andre Drummond lost his ability to finish at the rim at 26. People lose that ability at times. And his three-point shooting has never been consistently good. 
He throws together the occasional good shooting season. Maybe this is another one of them. But usage, he copped a hit hard. With DeRozan arriving, he lost everything. All that usage where he was a second-round top 20 player. He's never getting back to that, I don't think. But the value of centers, a two-center league might push him up. But he's like a third, probably fourth-round guy, but not wrong in the mid-to-late third round, I don't think. Caruso we spoke about. Then there's Andre Drummond, who is still, still getting drafted in standard leagues. 135th on Yahoo, 121st ADP on Fantrax, 127th on ESPN. Why? Who's drafting the big avocado? The only upside for Drummond is if Vucevic gets hurt. They will not play them together. Sure, fuck it. Surely, surely not. He is Vucevic's backup. Andre Drummond is not good. He was 145th last season in 20 minutes. Backing up MB, so played a lot when MB got COVID early on, traded to Brooklyn, started for Brooklyn. Like he's not likely to have this sort of value again. Yes, you can punt free throws and his value jumps up, blah, blah, blah. 113th in points leagues. But this is a backup center who can be really helpful if you are, do need rebounds. We know that. He's not a good shot blocker. He's a bad free throw guy. He can have efficiency problems, although he did figure some of that out a bit last season. In the past, he's been a good passer, but that's fallen off off as well. Realistically, he's a rebound specialist. I just don't know why you would draft him at 120 in the 10th round. Make it make sense. You can't. Uh, Dasunmu, again, last round pick maybe because um, Lonzo's out. And then Dragic. The problem with this team is that if Lonzo's, you know, Lonzo's starting, we've got him there. Caruso, Dasunmu, Dragic, and White, they're all point guards. How are you going to all fit into the rotation off the bench? Dragic, I wouldn't bother about in nearly any fantasy league. I don't really see how the value is there. Derek Jones Jr. played a lot of backup center. That goes away now because Drummond's there. He would have played some minutes at power forward, but Pat Williams is there. He'll still get some backup power forward minutes, but it'll be between him and Javante Green, who seems to get those. Javante Green played a lot last season. He's not great fantasy-wise. He played 23 minutes, and I don't think he really approaches that this season. Dalen Terry was their first-round pick. Where? Where does he fit in? Too many guards. Can he play at the three? I don't think he'd want that. He's not a great shooter. He's a low-usage player who can move the ball and defend well, but there's no spot available at this stage. Tony Bradley's a third-string center. I think Tony Bradley's an okay backup center, but he's not going to play much. Marco Simonovic, maybe there's minutes as the backup forward. He can take over from Green or, or Derek Jones, but a guy whose defense is a real problem and doesn't lead to great things. And then there's Malcolm Hill, who signed a two-way deal. Malcolm Hill, here's your locked-on fantasy bowl question. Malcolm Hill, did you know we'd be doing him? Malcolm Hill, where did he rank in category leagues? The answer, these are my rankings, 430th. Malcolm Hill was 430th. That's what you put in the email. Um, he's on a two-way. They also had Justin Lewis on a two-way. He tore his ACL, so it doesn't look like he'll play this season. Maybe they cut him from that two-way and bring someone else in. They've got Carlick Jones and um, Javon Freeman-Liberty on the training camp roster as well, who might be options to get that. Malcolm Hill, ranked 430th. It is your Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl answer for the email to get in. And that will do it for the Chicago Bulls. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you're here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.